Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. <laughs> In 400 meters. In 100 meters. You have reached your destination. Hi, welcome to Canada Homeschools. We're talking about homeschooling and bringing home the bacon today. And today I'd like to welcome Deanna McLeod, who is the principal and lead strategist of Kaleidoscope Strategic Inc. And she's a homeschooling mom and my personal friend. Welcome, Deanna. Hi, Rowan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. What can you add to that introduction? Tell us about your family and about your homeschooling journey. Yeah, well, we started homeschooling right from the start. Um, we have three children. So when Finn, our eldest, who's now 18, uh, was yet a babe, we said that we wanted to, uh, you know, both my husband and I were, were on the same page in terms of homeschooling, which was a little bit surprising because neither of us were homeschooled. But we did um, really appreciate the fact that God had given us three children because I thought that I wasn't able to have children at the time. Um, and so uh, we also uh, had kind of reset our faith and we we're really quite keen on making sure that our kids were uh, schooled to understand and know God. So um, we thought that homeschooling looked like a good match for that, kind of match the whole discipleship track that we saw in the Bible. And we really wanted to walk with them and their learning and understanding about God. So that's how we got started. So it's been 18 years and uh, it's it's been uh, good for some parts and it's been hard for some parts. Um, you mentioned about bringing home the bacon. I think I was uh, not really expecting that I would be somebody who would bring home the bacon. Uh, when I started out homeschooling, I thought, I think I could do this if I had a really great church and I had a really great homeschool group and I could kind of dedicate my full time to this. Um, my journey wasn't at all what I thought it would be. Um, so <laughs> here I am, you know, 20, uh, 20 years later and still running a business and homeschooling my kids. Um, and so, yeah, I've been surprised by the capacity that God's been able to put into my life. That really resonates with me because I've had to juggle both too. And that's one reason why I'm having you on here today, because there are people listening that will love to hear your story and will be able to relate to it to a certain extent. And I think when I was homeschooling and bringing home bacon. I didn't know too many other people who were doing it, to be honest. They got to be all full-time at home with their kids, doing a lovely job of homeschooling because they had all the time in the world. That's how it looked like to me. Um, and I was trying to juggle both and feeling rather inadequate at both, <laughs> I would say. So um, it's so good to have you on here. Tell us some 
of the ways that you've been bringing home the bacon while at the same time homeschooling your children. Maybe you could tell us a tiny bit about your business. Yeah, so I run a medical research firm called Kaleidoscope Strategic. And so what we do is we specialize in, in making evidence-based reviews and guidelines for, tran- for cancer treatment. Um, I, I got into it, uh, I, I worked in industry for about 10 years. Uh, so I, I specialized in pre-med and I did a specialty in immunology and then got into the pharmaceutical world when I started off. So did 10 years in pharmaceuticals. Um, and I really liked the intersection of business and medicine because I thought that those were two of my passions. Um, however, after 10 years in business, I began to realize that uh, pharmaceutical companies, although they intended to do really good things, sometimes uh, slanted the information in one way or another based on what their interests were. And I really was hoping to I was hoping that uh, cancer patients would get good evidence-based recommendations that weren't biased. And so I said about, I guess it's 18 years ago, no, 21 years ago, um, to try and build a company that would provide an avenue for evidence-based medicine and to really come alongside clinicians uh, who are fantastic, but very overworked. Uh, to kind of set standards of care nationally in Canada so that uh, cancer patients would get equitable access to treatments. So that's kind of the idea that started off. Um, it was a, uh, a work of passion because I really wanted to do well by these patients. So uh, part of my training was to spend 200 hours in clinic uh, with patients and doctors watching how they treated things. And I began to understand the plight of cancer patients. And I also began to understand uh, what doctors needed in order to make good treatment decisions and to make good standards for treatment. Uh, and so then I have a gifting in an analysis and research. And so I thought, what about sending up, setting up a business to do that? Uh, and so in the end, uh, the business is funded through pharmaceutical companies, but through educational grants, which basically means that they're hands off. They can't actually have any say in what's written in these grants. So the funds are coming from uh, that source, but they're independently used the way that we structured it so that doctors can say whatever they have to say. So yeah, we're 21 years in and we have 36 guidelines that have been published over the last number of years. It wasn't always easy for sure. Um, and that's pretty much my main way of bringing home the bacon is, is seeing that company through from the very beginning to the very end. And as any entrepreneur will know, um, you're either battling the business development side, trying to get projects in the door, or you're battling the operations side, which is trying to make sure that people do what they're supposed to do. Um, so I would say that my journey has been either fighting fires on one side or the other. And uh, I was just mentioning to my husband now, after 21 years, I said, I think I actually have my first week where I think things are running <laughs> well on all sides. It's a really weird feeling. Um, yeah, but now I think we've solved the business development dilemma and I think we've solved the operations development. I have a fantastic team of really smart people who help me do all my work now. And, uh, so we, yeah, we tackle, yeah. So I think, I think we've got a fantastic network of doctors, about 200 people that we work with and we have guidelines in almost every tumor type now. So pretty exciting time, a good place to be. That is so amazing and so helpful. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you have faced other than putting out the fires and just that whole working in your business versus working on your business and so on and so forth? 
what would you say is the biggest challenge that you have faced juggling essentially two jobs, your business and homeschooling? And this could be a practical challenge, or it could be a mental or emotional challenge, or all of the above. Yeah, well, I think at different seasons, there were different challenges. Um, So one of the things when my kids were young, I really wanted, I really realized that they would only ever have one mom, and that projects would come and go. Um, And so what I really tried to do is focus in on being there with them. And so as a good businesswoman, I delegated all the things that uh, didn't need me. So I prioritized strategy and oversight in my business. And I prioritized being with my babies. So um, that meant I delegated off, you know, uh, food preparation and house cleaning and decorating and shopping for myself (laughs) and all those other things. And I just spent the time uh, spending, you know, just being with my kids. So I had a fantastic person who uh, came in and provided kind of home support for me. Her name was Sanam and she was with me for 10 years. And so I don't think I would have been able to make it without having uh, Sanam come and help our house. And so she, she kind of did everything that needed to be done so that I could run a business and spend time with my kids. Um, then whenever they got a little bit older and a little bit more independent, uh, oh, so I think another thing is I would, uh, I basically had to delegate out my business development and I had nobody to delegate it to. So I dele- delegated it to God. Um, and he did a fantastic job for the first 10 years of my business, just bringing in business without me ever making an effort. So it was a, a miraculous season of grace for that time period, which I'm very appreciative of. And uh, then whenever my brain woke up again, and I was able to think after the 10 years of sleeplessness, uh, I was able to step back into a business development side of things when my kids were a little bit older and didn't need me. So yeah, I think that uh, I think getting the right people in to help you is key, because you can't do everything. Um, I think one of the things that was probably pretty challenging, too, is as you mentioned, Rowan, I was pretty isolated. Um, if you're running a business and trying to spend time at home, homeschooling your kids, there's nothing left afterwards. So you know, I wasn't able to, I always thought that I was going to be the person who is, uh, you know, at the homeschool groups, but, you know, they all did daytime stuff and I was working during the day. So that didn't really work out. And, uh, you know, I was also the oddball because everybody else was just at home and just hanging out with their kids and, you know, doing play dates. And I was like writing cancer treatment guidelines. And that was just a totally different headspace. So, you know, Rowan, when I met you, I was actually relieved to find that there was another person who was wearing these two hats because it's pretty unusual. Although I'm sure that nowadays there's probably more people with the pandemic, everybody's working at home and they've got their kids at home. And so they've kind of had to step into maybe what you and I have been doing for a very long time. Yeah. So my friend, Jen McKinnon from Practical by Default, she has a Facebook group for working homeschool moms and a blog. And we're going to be having her on the podcast in this series for working homeschool moms as well. Um, But she, I think they're up to something like over 20,000 members in their Facebook group now, especially since COVID, I think it doubled. Oh my gosh. Um, But one of the reasons she started it is because she didn't know other working homeschool moms either. And so I, I kind of found her too late. Like I didn't have time to search, surf the internet to find other working homeschool moms. So, you know, plus, you know, you're involved in ministry as well. And so am I. So, you know, by the time you put those three things together, yeah, you're right. There's not, 
there's not a lot um, left. I think you partly answered this next question um, when you were describing your business, your amazing business. Aside from the obvious financial benefit, can you think of other benefits to what you are doing in your work in terms of maybe what your children are seeing in you and also for your community? Obviously, the cancer patient community is benefiting greatly from your work, but can you add any other thoughts to that? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I have to say that I probably uh, had, didn't have a very good uh I, I made, I think I had a love hate relationship with my business. Um, to be completely honest, you know, like some people are like, yeah, start a business and self-actualization and all this kind of stuff. But honestly, the day in and day out of running a business is really hard work and uh, it's, it's a real drain. And, you know, as the principal of the business, you carry a lot of weight. Uh, and I often had to work at not letting that weight transfer into my motherhood. So I had to be light and happy and fluffy uh, whenever I, I meet the kids. Uh, and then I have to turn around and, you know, deal with, you know, advanced stage breast cancer and look at statistics where women are dying left, right and center. So, you know, I kind of I think at different times I probably resented my business because it was just such a heavy weight and it took away from my family life. Um but at the same time, I have to be very thankful that um, I think one of the things that God's been faithful in is every time I thought that I got to a point where I couldn't do it and I hit a wall and there were many of them, I think about three years ago, I think both my business development side and my, my operations side not, did dissolved. And I basically had to rethink my whole business and I was up against a wall. Um, and I think it was good to see, to have my kids see me uh, plead my case before God and to humble myself before him and to see God supernaturally intervene and to see what it looks like to go through something really hard and to see God deliver you through the other side. So I think, uh, I think probably that's the biggest thing that would probably come home is the fact that they know their mom can do something that's a benefit and that it's important to do things that are self-sacrificial and also to see how God can deliver you even when you face really difficult trials. And then I think finally, in a surprising end is that my youngest son ended up uh, being, or not my youngest son, my eldest, Finn, graduated last year from homeschool and decided he wanted to go into digital media, but he didn't want to go to university because it was a pandemic. So then, you know, I hired him in my company. And so uh, I've just been, I had the privilege of seeing him, you know, take on the, the role of a design specialist in the company and learn to relate in a work environment and build skills up. And, you know, he redesigned our website this year and he's, you know, uh, we're, we've got a new channel that we're working on a, a YouTube channel where he's, you know, doing all the videography and editing the videos, et cetera. So just to, to see him step into, you know, a work capacity and really grow substantially, I think has been really a surprise, a surprise and also really a pleasant thing to see. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Yes, I definitely have had a somewhat resentful at times relationship with my business. But one of the reasons that we 
um, and this is not my headphone history curriculum business that I love and it's my passion. And sometimes when I'm working on it, I even forget to eat because I'm having so much fun, but I'm talking about my other, <laughs> my other bricks and mortar business. We really bought it um, to give the kids employment that didn't interfere with church and, and youth group and to give them some skills in business and customer service and, and maybe to know that they don't want to work a retail job for the rest of their lives. So it encouraged them <laughs> to go to post-secondary, <laughs> but now I'm stuck running it because they don't need it anymore. And uh, it is for sale if anyone's listening and in my area. But uh, so I definitely understand because you feel like it's taking you away sometimes from things that are important, but yet it's pro also providing, but that's more of a, um, while it is tangible, it's kind of also theoretical, like in terms of the value for your time. And so um, it can be really a challenge. And it's one thing working for someone else. But as you said, when it's all on your shoulders, and the major decisions are on your shoulders, um, especially as you were saying, you know, you had to do a pivot or a restructure or whatever recently, like, it's a lot going on in your head, it can be hard to be fully present sometimes with, with the kids. Um, and no matter how independent they get, you still want to be present. And when, at least with teens, sometimes they don't want to talk for a long time, but then when they do want to talk, they talk for hours and you have to be there ready to listen. <laughs> so, cause you don't want to miss it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what ways have you and your spouse collaborated on running the household and the work and the homeschooling? Yeah, I think that that's actually a really excellent question because, um, you know, it's a team effort uh, right from the beginning. And, uh, you know, I would say probably that for me, like I am a lifelong learner. I'm a keen learner. I love to learn. And that's probably why I was attractive to homeschooling because it's like getting a second and third degree as the, especially when the kids get up to high school, like you just get opportunities to learn and learn and learn. You think I have enough learning, just writing papers all the time, but you know, I actually enjoy the learning, but um, I'm not the best at running a household. I'm just going to admit it right now. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. I'm like, you know, if I cook, you know, things will be burnt. If, you know, I don't actually notice that the house is dirty. Um, you know, I'm very tuned into the kids and their emotional state and making sure that they're in, into, and I'm very good with schooling, but um, I have to say that thank God for Todd, because otherwise we'd be living in a ramshackle shack, you know, in a back alley or something, because I would have, wouldn't have noticed or something like that. So he's, uh, he's for sure the person who, um, who keeps our home running and to make sure that there's meals on the table and who's making sure the house is maintained. And, uh, he has, he has work as well, although through our career or through our life, it's, it's often been secondary because my business has been so demanding. Um, but, uh, there's definitely some collaboration and more recently as, uh, you know, just having three kids in a high school and homeschool, it's gotten more demanding. He started to take on some of the homeschool work too and overseeing them. Although, uh, yeah, so I would say that he's kind of taken on some of that, but for, mo for the most part, he's kind of been maintaining the home side. It's great that you have that. One thing yeah, that I'm you, picking, oh, go ahead. I know, very unusual. As I talk to women, very, very unusual. <laughs> 
Well, especially in our generation, and I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but we are the generation that no one talks about. And we're really the generation that, um, you know, we we're kind of expected to do everything. <laughs> we're expected to run the household and homeschool and bring home bacon. And, and we, you know, it's tiring. It, it burns you out. But what I'm hearing from you is that you seem to have an ability to let go of control of things, which some women struggle, or maybe it's a struggle for you too. But the fact that you're so, you know, so smart to delegate so much in your business, in your household, and in the management of the household, you know, that, that takes, that's actually special because most of us women are so full of, I should be able to do this myself. I should be able to do the laundry and bring home bacon and teach the kids in our generation. And it sounds like you, um, you are pretty good at, at delegation and, and letting go of control, but it can be a challenge because you're like, well, they do it, but not the way I would do it. And that's sometimes a challenge. Oh, yeah. I think that, I think that, uh, I think that there's a lot of having to let go, right? You've got to let go. You got to let go of things that you, you thought you wanted. You have to let go of things going your way. You have to let go of so much, but you let go to be able to hold on to the things that are more important, right? That's right. You can't have, you can't hold on to it all. So you have to be, you know, you have to be thoughtful and think about what you want to hold on to and what's, what's worth it and what's not worth it. You know, I think the other day I was thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I don't know if, if, if I'm at all like anybody else, but when I was a young woman, I grew up in the feminist era and I was just like, you know what, I've got to get out there and I've got to make it and I've got to work hard and I've got to arrive somewhere. And I wasn't really sure where I was going to arrive to. And then, you know, I've got to pursue my ideas and I've got to make it in this world. And I thought, oh my gosh, here I am. Like I'm 53 years old and I run a company and we do great work and all this kind of stuff. But like, I don't have time to think about what I want to eat. Like I don't choose what I want to eat. I don't have time to go shopping. I don't have, you know, I don't, I don't choose my decorations in my house. I don't, you know what I mean? I, all these things that I was thought I was working so that I could do all these things in the end, I had to let go of all those things that I wanted to, I don't travel because I homeschool and, you know, there's just all sorts of things, the limitations of life. But at the same time, you know, I have to think about what I do get to do and I do get to make an impact in people's lives and I do get to help people and I do get to be there with my kids and I do get to, teach them about God and I do get to disciple them and I do get to see them grow up to be beautiful human beings. Um, and so, you know, letting go of all those other things seems worth it in the end to me because I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm choosing the greater prize. Yes. And you're, you're leaving a legacy both in your work and with your children. And that is way more important than those things, even though I like how your house is decorated, by the way. I'll tell, I'll tell Todd you like it. (laughs) So what would a sample day look like in the life of your homeschooling? And I didn't say typical because there's, that doesn't really go together with homeschooling, but could you give us like some kind of example of what a day would look like? And maybe if not so much now, because the kids are more independent, maybe like when they were a bit younger. 
Yeah, I think that maybe uh, one thing that's very different about how we do things and how a lot of people do things is because I actually had to show up at the, at the office at nine o'clock, you know, whereas all the other homeschool families were like sleeping in and maybe waking up around 10 or something and getting started on a very laissez-faire day. I was basically, I was up early um, and uh, basically I get up before them. I have all of their day planned and then I get them up and then we, we, you know, hang out together and then we um, eat breakfast. And then, you know, we've always started our day with a Bible study where we're all together in the word and we pray together to start the day. Um, and then we finish that off. And then I hop into the office at nine and that's when they're expected to work through their, their, their schedule, you know, as they got older, you know, they could choose what they did first and second, but they had things that they needed to get done during that time. And then whenever I go off on my break at lunchtime, I, review their work with them and I work on brainstorm and I write essays and do comp with them and have big conversations about what they're studying and about life. And then I roll back into the office at two. I do three or four more hours of work. They find, they finish their day. I can't remember when, maybe two, depends on whenever they were younger earlier and then whenever they were older a little bit later. Um, And then I finish up at four and or four or five and then we hang out for dinner And then we just do stuff that's fun as a family. And so uh, I found that I needed to be proactive and organized and scheduled and structured in order to be able to keep uh, things going in the right direction whenever I kind of, if there's not, you know, we need a lot of structure because we take on a lot. Um, So that's kind of been one of the things that our kids have always known is like, hey, how come we never get to sleep in? Hey, how come we're always up working? Hey, how come all this kind of stuff? You know, somebody, some terrible person at when they were about 12 told them that was such a thing as sleeping in. And that was the end of my, my, my whole schema that I was like, oh my gosh, no, there's no such thing as sleeping. And then we do that on the weekends, but uh, yeah, so I think very structured, you know, I think presently I wake up probably about five in the morning and I have about an hour and a half of prayer time because I actually need that much time with God in order to be able to handle what I handle now. Um, just with school and high school and I'm going through menopause and I have teenagers, (laughs) you know, and business is, is demanding as usual. So uh, yeah, no, I need lots of, I need talk. I need personal time in the morning. I need time with God. I need time to rejuvenate. And then I hit the day in a fairly structured and organized way. And then we try and keep the afternoons or the evenings, sorry, the evenings quite free so that we can connect and do fun things as a family. Thank you. It sounds like you have good boundaries for your time and that allows you to accomplish so much. Well, are you ready for the home stretch? Sure. All right. Oh, I know what I was going to add. Yes. Our kids had to get up quite early for family devotions as well, because we had to get all that done before work. And I would get up early with them. We'd have devotions in the living room and then I would start them on their work and go over their math lesson whatever and then we'd be off and running to on the dry cleaning run and then to work and some of them would come with me if they didn't work on their stuff independently well they would have to come and like do their schoolwork at work so we had laundry schooling and then we had like a major chart of schedules and when we were at the Y working out and when we were having piano lessons and like it was all a well-oiled machine of dominoes. But of course, if one domino goes wrong, that's, that can be very problematic. 
but anyway, yeah, you have, you have, you don't have a choice. You have to be organized if you're juggling a couple of things. Okay. Yeah. The, the home stretch. What has been your worst homeschool moment? Oh, wow. I forgot about this question. <laughs> it's, it's the doozy. Yeah. Let's think. Oh, I don't know. Oh my goodness. Sorry, Rowan. I'm just trying to think here. That's okay. It might not be a moment. It might just be something that like most people say when they lose patience with their children is kind of, it's not one moment. It's probably many moments, but, but uh, yeah. So it doesn't have to be one pinpointed moment. It can be mm-hmm. an idea. Yeah. I, I think it maybe, maybe I'll describe a difficult stretch. And I think that, you know, probably about three years ago, um, you know, as I was approaching 50, you know, I just had st- trouble sleeping. And so there were times when, you know, I would have to face all my day's responsibilities with like three or four hours sleep or with a lot of broken sleep. So I was always tired. Um, and, and that really played with my emotions and my buffer. Like I just didn't have the flexibility that I used to have and I didn't have the capacity that I used to have. And at the same time, my business took a tailspin um, so it needed to be maintained just whenever two of my kids hit puberty <laughs> and became teenagers. <laughs> and so here I am running a business, you know, trying to deal with, you know, without any sleep, trying to put fires out, you know, at a business and, and my kids are, you know, because they're homeschooled, they're, you're, they're right there with you. Like there's no getting away from it. So they're having emotional, you know, trauma which seems to be a characteristic thing of hormones and teens. Yes. I had four Uh, teens at one time at the same time. (laughs) So you don't tell me girl, the emotion and the drama and just the intensity of that. And, you know, really, I kind of feel like it's going back to toddlers, but like they're big (laughs) with lots more emotion. Like they, they just really need you. Right. So just feeling the tension between really seeing that my, kids needed me really intensely you know it was just that kind of time you know and they're they're working through that kind of stuff and we're homeschooling so we're all together and at the same time you know just really needing to rethink my business and restructure it all without any sleep I think was probably my worst moment and there were many times and I was crying out to God going what on earth are you thinking this is too much for any one person to handle I don't like it I want out. That was my like, get me out of this thing. Whose smart idea was this to have teenagers <laughs> and a company and all that kind of stuff? Like I was like, what was I thinking? Yeah, that was the major regret stretch. Um, but, you know, as with everything through God's grace, he saw me through. And I think what that taught me is probably to do less and to pray more, um, to spend much more time going vertical than horizontal. Uh, because I just needed more strength. And also I realized that God can do more than I could ever imagine. And so I should probably be bringing more to him. And so in the end, I think if I look back at my worst homeschool stretch, it was probably one of the stretches that grew me the most spiritually because I had to learn dependence on God instead of dependence on my wonderful, you know, capacity to organize life and to keep everything in control because control was gone. (laughs) Yeah. I sometimes think that my biggest sin is self-sufficiency 
And that's why the Lord allows me to always have way too many things going on so that I really have to depend on him because otherwise I'm very self-reliant, like to a fault. Mm-hmm. Um, ask my husband, he'll agree. <laughs> he wishes I would rely on him more sometimes, I'm sure. But um, yeah, when if especially if you're kind of a high capacity person to begin with, you really need to get stretched like beyond <laughs> to, mm-hmm. you know, for us to humble ourselves and really rely on God and not get so busy and sufficient in ourselves mm-hmm. for sure. So interestingly enough, I think that was probably the biggest gift that God's given me, which is to learn to depend on him and to rest a little bit in him instead of thinking that I need to go out and make the world, whatever, do whatever I need to do, you know, that I can, that I can let that on, leave the weight on his shoulders, uh, which I think is great because, you know, I don't know if you're the same Rowan. Well, your, your kids have just left the home, but they keep um, coming back though. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> this, is a, this is a chapter that I'm not aware of, but you know, like I just keep thinking about how, you know, here I've had my kids with me for so long and now it's time to send them out into the world. Right. And uh, so, you know, we go from a place where as a homeschool mom and a businesswoman, I'm under control. Like I've got it, I've got it set. And then I have to, I have to release them into the unknown, which is the opposite of control. So I'm so thankful that God taught me to rely on him and to, you know, entrust them to him because he's the God who can care and take care of them. And, and he's the one that establishes them. You know, my job's done, you know, I'm not done done, but do you know what I mean? Almost. It's like, or it changes, you know, it's, it changes. You become more of a, a mentor than, you know, directly responsible for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, to make that pivot gracefully, I think God had to, to tear down the control idol and uh, develop some good self-reliance and a very strong prayer life so that I could do that gracefully. Well, that, that's good. I know we were on the home stretch, but I realized that I forgot a very important question that I want to make sure that we give some time to. And I just want to talk, give you a chance to talk about, um, what you're doing in your business that relates to COVID-19 because that's where we're all at right now. So I'll word it this way. So Deanna, in your business, you synthesize medical information among other things. Um, Can you briefly share what you've been working on in terms of the COVID-19 data? And can you also tell us where our listeners can go to find that information? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the initiatives that we've taken on more recently is something called COVID Sense. Um, and so COVID Sense is basically a YouTube channel that you can go to. Um, I'll give you the link, Rowan. Um, and on the YouTube channel, but what we do is we basically go through the data related to COVID-19 and try and summarize it in a uh, evidence-based manner in the sense of sifting through the data like you would for treatments or cancer treatments. Uh, but we do it in a way that's in everyday language, because one of the things that we've noticed um, about COVID-19 is that there's a lot of crazy information running around out there. When I say crazy is that you can hear one thing in one place and you can hear another thing in one place. And sometimes you hear something and it seems like it shouldn't be right. But where do you go to find good information? And 
I think some of the reliable or the, the sources that we would go to more usually would be like news, but they don't always have all the facts. And so one of the things that I noticed is that there's not very many good places where people who don't know evidence-based medicine can go to find good data and to make sense of it. Um, one of the things that we're really passionate is informed decision-making. So yes, it's where you I take the that. time to learn about what you need to learn, the benefits and the risks, and then you make a decision. So what we've tried to do is take all of the COVID data uh, and boil it down to something that you could, uh, and the average person could understand. I don't say I do it a perfect job of that, but I try and do my best because I used to writing for academics. Um, but uh, try and convey it in a way that everybody can understand and make good decisions. So we've just, uh, we've done one on navigating data where you can look to good sources of data for uh, just understanding where we are in the COVID moment. And then we are just finishing up a four part series on vaccines. And the focus there is on the mRNA vaccines and what you need to know in terms of safety and efficacy, um, how they work and whether the plan that we're doing uh, in Ontario right now is one where we're optimizing uh, our resources for success. So we're about to put that one up this week. So the vaccination plan is the last of the four. And then we've also got some more coming up. We've got the plight of the elderly in the pandemic coming up where we look through all the data on elderly people and how they've fared through the pandemic. We're going to look at high risk groups and, uh, you know, what you need to know in order to, uh, if you're at risk and what you can do to lower your risk. Um, we're going to be looking at the variants. There's lots of data coming in on variants and that's a big question. Um, and hopefully we can actually get to lockdowns and masks, but it seems like if I thought cancer research was fast paced and ever evolving, it seems like COVID-19 has beat it. It's, it's uh, putting my team to good use. So yeah, we're, this is a pro bono work that we're doing just to help people navigate the, this cultural moment and what we're facing and make good decisions. Cause I think after a year of lockdown, uh, we really do need to make some good choices. Wow. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. And I will put a link to COVID sense in the show notes. So you just have to go on our website to this episode and you will have a link right there or you can just type COVID sense into your YouTube search bar and you'll be able to get it that way as well thanks thanks for taking a few minutes just to tell us it would be nice to have some actual data and some analysis uh, sometimes the headlines are just um, misleading or contradictory as you said and uh, with statistics you can kind of take anything and run with it as well so it'd be nice to have a really um, clear-headed rational uh, analysis of the data and so we appreciate you doing that for us and that idea of informed consent. Okay, back to the home stretch. What advice would you give someone just starting homeschooling? Um, well, that's interestingly enough, um, I've started a, a homeschooling kind of mentorship group on Saturday mornings. I meet with some women who've just started homeschooling. So we're very much into that. And I think the biggest thing that they seem to struggle with is anxiety of whether I'm doing enough. Uh, we all. Is, is, am I going to make it? Am I going to get there? Am I going to have what it takes to finish the job? I think those are some of the, the big things that they struggle with. And I think the thing that I uh, 
I always emphasize is that little steps in the right direction make a huge difference in the end. And uh, that you don't need to know how to get to the end. You just need to know how to take the next best step in God's strength and his and call on his grace to help you finish that next step. And I think one of the beautiful things that I've realized is, you know, all of those little steps, all of those times where I woke up and I thought, there's no way I can do it. You know, however many times that thought came through my mind, you know, just to give that to God and to take that step in faith and trust that he can do what we can't do and to close the gap. And, uh, you know, I was sitting this morning in our morning devotion with three very thoughtful and God-fearing children who, you know, knew about life and knew about where to go uh, for the grace that they needed to take the next step and uh, who were developing hearts of passion and care and wanted to go into the world to make a difference. So little steps, little steps in the right direction make a huge difference. And so I would say, just give the, give your cares to God and just make that step, take that next step. That is very good advice. Thank you. And I think that will also count as our word of encouragement that you would leave the listeners with. (laughs) Very efficient. (laughs) Well done. Thank you. Yes. Great job. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. I hope that the listeners will give a look to COVID sense. And thank you so much for helping us know that as working homeschool mamas, we are not alone and maybe we can learn something from the things that you shared. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me, Rowan. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Hee <laughs> hee!